Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Follow the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web, which covers the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patrons. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, December 25th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I am Larry H. Russell. Joy Noel, thank you everyone for tuning into this week's show on Christmas morning. Or if you're listening on demand, a belated Merry Christmas. We're so happy to have you here regardless, and as always, and for the next 60 minutes. Today's featured guest will be Austin Ainge, Boston Celtics Director of Player Personnel. Austin will headline today's broadcast as we can use this morning to talk about just about everything with the Celtics. Plenty to get out of one of the highest-ranking execs in the Celtics organization. I'll do my best. I will do my best. But also, Celtics, they're playing today. They're playing on Christmas Day. Always good for your favorite basketball team to be on the NBA's headline day. High noon on the East Coast. They're down at Madison Square Garden to take on the New York Knicks. We'll do the pregame show here on Celtics Beat, as we always do on Sundays. And we will do so with a very special guest, one who I will not give away in the spirit of Christmas. We're going to leave that present unwrapped underneath the tree. It is our last show of 2016, so we're going to make it our best to make it a real treat, as we always try to do. On episode number 189, which this week is being presented by Blue Apron and Audible, get a free audio book with a 30-day trial period at audible.com slash try now. Uh, the young Mr. Range, is, he's with us right now. I see you there, Austin. Just hold on. I need to make two brief announcements, one being the mailbag. I have to put that off a second week in a row. I'm sorry. I will resume so after the new year. So that means January 2nd. That's a Monday, I believe. Uh, I promise to get a video up on the Facebook page. I know I've been liking many tweets directed at me at CLNS underscore LHR or the Facebook messages. They've still been coming in. They can continue to come in. Facebook.com slash Celtics beat. So sorry, but please, everyone keep sending the questions in. I will get to them next week there on the Facebook page. That is a promise. And secondly, and lastly, uh, as a matter of fact, we have uh, yet to pick our game uh, for the ticket giveaways to see the Celts at the garden for the month of January. We will still have a pair of Celtics to give away for, for this coming upcoming month. And I will probably do so by going back to ratings and reviews on iTunes. So if you haven't done so, I, you know, as always, I sincerely do wish and would love to ask everyone as a way to continuously support Celtics Beat to rate and write a review for Celtics Beat on iTunes. I mean, say whatever you want. It just goes such a long, long way for us and what else also goes such a long, long way, along with the continuous patronage of the CLNS Radio Network, is for the people who join our show. Today, once again, uh, so honored to welcome back Austin Ainge. Austin is the Director of Player Personnel for the Boston Celtics. He once served as head coach of the main Red Claws, the Celtics D-League affiliate, and of course, frequent visitor to us here on CLNS Radio. So, Austin... Yes, let's roll. I, I cannot thank you enough for joining us on this very morning. Merry Christmas. Thanks so much for tining time for us on this very special Sunday morning. Merry Christmas to you. Thanks for having me. I know you are yet to talk about the new CBA because of the logistics behind it, but can we safely say that life is a little easier for you guys? 
Well, we're, we're optimistic from what we're hearing out of the talks and, and everyone seems to, you know, all the reports seem to be positive and, and uh, so that's, that's great. I certainly would like to suggest to our audience who, who are listening in regards to the new CBA, as there are a lot of questions, head on over to Coach Nick's B-Ball Breakdown podcast, which is on the CLNS Radio Podcast Network. Listen to the episode with Larry Kuhn. Just dropped, I believe, last Tuesday. Well worth the listen. But, Austin, i got to ask you a question right out of the gate. 2017, a few days away, what does the new year not, not hold in store for, for the Celtics? What does it hold in store for you? Oh, for me personally? Yes. Um, yes. Well, geez, I, I got uh, my my kids are getting older and uh, I'm getting older. Boy, it, it, things are going fast. My uh, little baby just turned one. So uh, that's that's pretty much the, the my kids and work are pretty much my life right now, Larry. Until they get older, I think that's it's going to maintain that way. I was at a Celtics game on January 2nd, 2007. I remember this very well. They were playing Houston. And I turned to my friend and I said... Uh, Jeez, 2007 came real quick, didn't it, huh? Just, like, just, just yesterday, we were celebrating the new millennium. That was 10 years ago, 17 years since the new millennium. But I got to tell you, I'm not that nice of a person to ask that question, Austin. I, uh, I, I didn't know if you were trying to get what I was getting at. I was ready to ask if you uh, possibly had any trips to the West Coast in store for the new year. Oh, of course. I mean, I, if you saw my, uh, my passport and my... Uh, <laughs> my airline account, uh, Larry. You, you, I'm everywhere. I was in uh, China and Croatia recently visiting our draft picks from last year, and I've been all over watching the potential draft picks for, for this upcoming year. And then, of course, uh, always scouting guys uh, for trades and free agent signings and D-League call-ups and European free agents all, all of, and everywhere in between. That's where I was getting at. I had Jeff Goodman here a few weeks ago. We did our first delve into the draft. Not getting into the specifics of individual players, of course, for the legality reasons. But if you do want to take the floor with any general thoughts on the upcoming draft, and I know, you know, hey, yeah, greatest draft ever. You know, pump that pickup and everything like that. But I know you're a very honest and straightforward guy, Austin. Well, so for me, um, Larry, it's looking, you know, it's, it's early. Uh, we haven't got to conference play yet. And uh, but uh, and we don't know who's going to be in the draft. Uh, but to me, it looks it looks deep. The draft looks deep. You know, maybe not. Uh, uh, you know, an obvious standout LeBron James, Anthony Davis, number one pick. Um, but lots of good players. Those are very very uh, rare nowadays too. Yeah, I mean, hey, those you get. I mean, those guys might end up being some of the best to ever play. They don't come along every day. Want to get though to the team. Starting to play much better. Uh, but what did you think now here? This is sort of a big checkpoint of the season as Christmas Day and the Celtics do play later day against the Knicks. Is sort of the Thanksgiving uh, version of the, Cel- of the NBA basketball. So let this sort of be a checkpoint. And I think we are all well curious of what your thoughts are on the team, even though despite of all what you do in terms of scouting, uh, college, international prospects, and other, play- and other free agents in around basketball. What are just sort of general thoughts, general takeaways as we sit here on this Christmas morning? I'm very pleased with the way the team's playing. I think uh, I think some injuries and and you know maybe not the best play early. Um, certainly not bad, but not our best. Uh, we, we've kind of righted the ship as everyone's gotten healthy and meshing a little better. The rebounding's gotten better. The defense has gotten better, and and uh, and our depth is restored a little bit as we've gotten healthy. I, I think we're playing. Uh, 
pretty well. What do you think, Larry? I'm happy with the last week, particularly with those three state wins on the road. There were just some few things that I had myself. Thank you so much for Austin asking us, and very few people actually ask me. I'm usually the one who does the asking. Very few people think highly of my opinion the way you do. Defense-wise, I was sort of. I actually wanted to bounce this off. Bounce this off for you. Every time I talk to someone outside of the organization, they say, "Hey, don't worry about the Celtics defense. It's you know, it's established. It's still very early in the year." I don't know if the expectations were lower defensively. I just had Adam Joseph on the pregame show prior to the Oklahoma City game on Friday, and he says, hey, Celtics defense, fifth best in the NBA over the last 14 games. But there was a study done in the Reddit forms, uh, I want to say about two weeks ago now, that pointed out some things efficiency-wise. Shooting is actually exactly the pretty much, uh, I think, decimal points or uh, fractions actually separate uh, the shooting percentages from opposing teams. There have been a few more possessions for opposing teams that could be done rebounding-wise and obviously with less turnovers. But I was going to ask you something maybe when you watch the team scouting-wise. Is there anything anecdotal like this was a theory that I just had during the season earlier in the year, particularly after that game against Denver. Marcus Smart complained about the effort. I can't remember if it was Smart or Crowder because I know they've both complained about the effort. But is there maybe anything anecdotally in that teams are just bringing a little more intensity against the Celtics this year, that they're a little more marked than they've been in previous years? Do you think there's any truth to that, or is it just a, a vague theory? I don't. I think that's hard. Uh, uh, I, I haven't noticed that personally, Larry. I, I think um, but but it, it, it could be true. That's a hard thing. It's, you know, I have a hard time remembering last month, let alone specifically how teams played that's against us jet in lag November. Does. That's what jet lag does to you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't remember how, like, you know, the middle of December last year, how hard teams were playing against us. It, it, it feels about the same. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the I think the numbers will probably bear this out. As well. I think that when you have injuries like we did to keep players, you know, Crowder, Smart, Horford, and Isaiah all missing time, along with Olenek, uh, I feel like um, that puts a bigger burden on some of our other guys, and, and they just can't – it's hard for Avery Bradley to – we need him to score 25 and guard everybody, you, you know, like we're and we're and, and, re- and rebound. And get every rebound for us, you know. And, and so I think that uh, – I think, you know, some of our early defensive and rebounding woes I think could be somewhat attributed to that. Of course, it's always – you know, never one thing. It's always multiple things. But I, I do feel that uh, now that we're healthy and deeper, that that everybody can can lock in more defensively because it's just it, there's only so many so much energy you can expend in the game. Was there any silver lining in regards to those injuries? I particularly point to the Isaiah Thomas injury. The team played atrocious outside of that game against Orlando, which was probably one of the two or three best wins of the season. Was there any silver lining, and I get to, because I think the best uh, storyline from this season, in general, in my opinion, even when the team, record-wise, wins-loss-wise, I mean, you go back to that Spurs game, I think, what, they were 13-12 and 12 coming after that game, and this looked like a really dull season thus far. But even during the down points and the values of this season, I thought that, that there has been individual player development, and I now go to the injuries. Do you think there might have been a silver lining in, say, the Isaiah Thomas injury in that... It really was able to highlight Marcus Smart's ability to develop as a ball handler. I mean, is that a little too glass half full of viewpoint on my part? I wanted you to take that, take it away from me right now. Well, I think I think that um, you know, anytime it, all the minutes that Marcus and Terry and Jalen were able to log, uh, you know, the, the the more minutes that became available. 
Um, I think those can pay dividends down the road. I, you know, those guys, it's, it's, it's always, it's hard for any player to be really consistent in limited minutes. Um, and, uh, but, but the more experience they get, uh, the, the more reliable they'll be. Cause, uh, you know, all those guys have shown flashes. Um, you know, you know Marcus has, has always been, has been the most consistent, obviously, but, you know, Terry and Jalen, they, they've, they've shown lots of flashes and I think they'll get more consistent the second half of the year and really, really help us. I mean, those are, those are important minutes for those guys. What is the overall organizational viewpoint of Marcus Smart? Uh, he's, I think personally he's made great strides in his playmaking ability. I don't know what you guys think about that. And at the same time, there might be a little frustration on my end in that his shot selection isn't really, let alone his actual shooting ability. For me, it's shot selection. I consider it Antoine Walker-esque if there ever was one. But what is sort of the organizational viewpoint on Marcus Smart's development so far this year? But you know what? Austin Ainge's viewpoint. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think Marcus. I think there has been strides uh, playmaking wise. I think, you know, Marcus is is such a strong guy. When you see him come off pick and rolls, hold, you know, pause a second, hold the guy on his hip to allow the big to get open, whether popping and rolling, it, it, like it's a small thing, but he's really gotten great at delivering those. I mean the. The, the speed in which he gets the ball, he throws those behind the back or behind the head flips to Kelly or Al when they pop, or he can hold the guy in his hip and throw the pass to Amir as he rolls or hit the cross-corner guy. I mean, those are those are things that it, it takes a while for young players to be able to do at full game speed, and, and Marcus has really improved in, in that aspect of the game. And I, I thought uh, against the Pacers, we posted him up against Aaron Brooks for long stretches and let him let uh, we allowed him to create for everyone else out of the post i think that that's something that uh, we can exploit more and more going forward so there, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more to marcus's game i think and, and i also think the shots will fall i mean he did work hard on his shot he did get some improvement it, it just hasn't been falling for him lately and i think uh i think his his rhythm will he'll, he'll catch fire for a month and uh, the, the percentages will level out I, I I honestly do hope that is changing the form of a shot is like changing a golf swing, as I know you would know, and that of course takes time. It does still uh, it still does irk me a little bit in that that the uh, the trigger is it, it is a little uh, I don't know how to put this politically to someone like you, but it, it is a little loose for someone like is there anything maybe I don't know if you want to speak on behalf of the coaching staff, which I know you, you probably don't feel comfortable doing, but is there any type of mindset of maybe it's let Marcus be Marcus in terms of, hey, you know what, you don't have to be as patient with your shot as, say, an Amir Johnson is or some of the other veteran guys. Like Al Horford is, is another one who really doesn't take that three-point shot unless it's, he's really comfortable. Maybe it's just my own opinion. I don't have, like, concrete, hardcore data to back it up. But this is my personal opinion. I, I do think Marcus's trigger is, like I said, a little loose and a little quick for someone like him. Oh, I, I, he's, he's, he's definitely a, a very confident kid, and, and uh, he's – but but you know what? Like it, it is a hard thing. I think that's one of the hardest things in coaching is is to to talk about shot selection. You don't want guys hesitating. You don't want them thinking too much. Um, but uh, but you, they do need to take good shots. And I know our coaches watch film with these guys every day. I mean they they watch team film, but they also watch individual film with their like person. You know every assistant coach has a couple guys assigned to them, and they watch most of their own clips every day and so they they go over that stuff and they know and and uh it just you know everyone all these players have stuff to improve on and and that uh, that's one area for marcus that was a very good explanation austin 
You stopped me for a little bit there. Very good. I actually wanted to – one more quick thing on Marcus because I wanted to get to this before we got to the Sarge selection thing, and that was his playmaking. I just want to touch upon this real quick. Is this something that – you talked about the assistant coaches that, that work alongside these players almost at a very individual aspect, but his, his increased playmaking ability, everyone's been able to see it thus far this year. Has that been more of uh, you know his third year in the league? He's maybe assimilating to game speed over the last few years more, or is there an increase – uh, development that was put into that aspect of his game over the last 12 months or so. Well, I think it, I think it's some, some of all of that, but I, I think the single biggest factor, Larry is just opportunity. I, I mean, he's, uh, he's been given that role more. Um, I, I mean, I think if you go back to, if you remember the beginning of last year, Marcus was starting and, uh, and running the point guard more. Yeah, he got and, hurt, and that's how Isaiah took he, over for good. Exactly, and he was doing – he was he was playmaking very well. I mean, he he's always been a good passer and, and, and sees the floor. That's not something new for him. It's just, you know, Isaiah and Evan had most of those responsibilities last year, and uh, and Marcus has gotten a little more opportunity with the uh, with the second unit this year with, uh, with Evan being gone, and so that's – I think it's mostly opportunity. Um you know, but hey, he's he's getting better. And how amazing are some of the plays he makes, Larry? I mean, some of these rebounds and loose balls and and steals and fighting through screens, well, and unquote, winning fouls. plays, winning oh, plays. Oh my gosh, like, he's he's so unique, isn't he? He's amazing. The offensive rebound against Detroit way back about a month ago that didn't even result in a basket, but what that did, of course, was able to. I can't think it was Aaron Baines that got Aaron Baines off of boxing out Horford. And I, I made a mix the player up there, but I know I got one of the Pistons players off from boxing out Horford. And then, of course, Horford finishes the deal. And I remember talking to Jeff Goodman about Marcus uh, before he was drafted by the Celtics. And this is something that I cannot see at all because I don't go to Celtics practices. Uh, is that he practices so freaking hard all the time every day? Well, Mar- Marcus, I mean, his energy is contagious. Yeah, I mean, you have when when you see a guy that you know, refuses to be screened, who will fight against uh, point guards to power forwards to, you know, we've put him on Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap and Kristaps Porzingis. Porzingis, he's guarded multiple times when we've played them and, and when we switch on to him. And, and, uh, Durant a little and, bit. Yeah, I mean, he just, he he fights and dives and scraps and it, it's it's impossible even if you're sitting in the stands not to get uh, excited watching him, let alone when you're a teammate on the bench watching, I mean, it, like that, that elevates everybody. You okay with the flopping though? What's your hey, theory on that? My, my, you name a, name a smart player in the NBA who doesn't flop. If you're not flopping, you're not trying. Larry. Da- Danny was very good at it. He was one of the originals. Absolutely. He was one of the originals. The only, my fear of that is though, is possibly since the NBA is really trying to crack down upon it over the last five years or so, it could lead to him developing a reputation with the officials, or if not, if he has one already, that maybe he doesn't get 50-50 calls at a crucial period of time in the game. I mean, is, is that okay? Yeah, I mean, when, 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 you talk to, when you talk to players in general, um, not just Marcus, but, but all players, they, they feel, they get frustrated sometimes. They feel like they're getting fouled or getting, you know, not getting the calls. And so they, they feel like if they don't do that, they, they don't get them. And so it's it's not so much as they they go into the game as going I'm going to try to flop three times. It's that man the refs missed the last three because I didn't exaggerate it. So now I got to throw my arms when I get pushed, 
you know, a little bit. And, and, and so it, that's kind of the psychology of the players. Um, and it's, it, uh, it is hard in the heat of battle to, to, to know how much is too much and how little is too little and, and, and all of that. I mean, we, we see the great players in the NBA. They all, they all exaggerate contact because, uh, because you, you kind of have to, to get, to get to, to allow the refs to see it. I remember Paul Pierce said something similar like that in Sports Illustrated many, many years ago, and that actually ended up costing him a little bit, but you pretty much kind of reiterated exactly what Paul said without probably even reading that story. Since individual player development, in my eyes, is, I think, the biggest net positive thus far of the season, I think it makes all the sense in the world to stay on it. But don't worry, you know, you're with me. We will get a little negative uh, as it does go along. But I think really the the biggest development in, in terms of any player, and it's crazy because I think it's his seventh year in the league, and this is someone who I definitely want to ask you about. Because you coached him in Maine, is that correct? And you know who I'm talking about right now. That's Avery Bradley. Did you, were you Avery's coach at one point? Yeah, okay. yeah. I think uh, I think nine games. So okay. not 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 great. <laughs> but, All but, right. Uh, sorry about time. that. No, no, that's okay. No, I, look, Avery. Obviously, um, being being around him the last many years, it's it's just it's it's so fun to see his development and progression and confidence. And I mean, he's turned himself into um, one of the best shooting guards in the, in the league. And he is, you know, just a huge, huge part of our winning. Uh, I mean, I don't know where we'd be without Avery. Where does it come from though? Because if you remember, and I know you probably do, you had him, even though you had him for just nine games, you were, you were there in and around the organization when he was coming up hard for Newton to remember when he was coming up now, granted 19 year old rookie, 20 year old rookie or 20 year old second year player, excuse me. He couldn't shoot. He couldn't rebound, and you say, oh, he's a guard, but literally he, he would not rebound whatsoever. He couldn't shoot at all. He couldn't rebound. Even, like, I want to say, like, his fourth or fifth year in the league, I remember he got something like 21% of his shots blocked around the basket. I think that might have been 2012 or, 2000, I think, probably 13. Where did all of this come from to the point where he's an exceptional, exceptional shooter, both spot up and off the dribble, and coming off picks. He's uh, one of the best rebounding guards in the league. He's always been able to defend. Where did really all of that improvement come from? Very general, very open-ended, but I, I think there's no other way for me to ask something like that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on you a little bit there, Larry. Please. Okay, so Avery, can, Avery could shoot well before we had him. He, if, you, if you go back and watch him, even in high school, where I saw him first, he was an unbelievable... 15 to 18 foot shooter even even at 16 17 years old always a great defender always a great mid-range shooter um even even in college he was he was a kid who can shoot now he he never was great from beyond the arc uh what we call above the break threes in the nba it took him a little while to uh and frankly some of our, our coaches early on just allowed him to shoot uh, the mid rangers because he was so comfortable there just to help him get his confidence and rhythm and uh, and he, he he could shoot corner threes uh, pretty early on now the playmaking the shooting off movement the attacking the basket yeah, those are all the things, that was a big one I thought that was a very big one yeah I mean those are those are things that as the as he's improved and the game has slowed down and he's become a bigger part of our offense he's gotten more reps at it he's just gotten man leaps and bounds better and better but but uh his his uh his defense and shooting he kind of came in with even though it's gotten better and uh and the other things have have gotten 
you know, more and more uh, improvement um, to where now, I mean, teams are designing their entire game plans to stop him shooting off screens. It's was, great. Was this just maniacal off-season improvements on his end? I mean, is, is it more? Is it? A bit... I, I think slow and steady every year. You know, every year, small incremental improvements year by year. And, uh, you know, he's always had such a great competitiveness, work ethic, and, and his, you know, his athleticism and instincts are so good that uh, it's just taken, you know, some some time to, to continue to improve. And, and also, you know, also opportunity, you know, that I always I, 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 I it's not a cop out. That's that's the sincere truth when he's playing with Paul Pierce and Ray Allen and just and Kevin Garnett and just kind of standing in the corner. You don't get a chance to to improve on all of these things, which uh, which he's we've needed more from him, and he's gotten better. He was good on that team, though. I know you remember that. That was actually I thought that was his first new thing when he from him being in the league was when he learned how to cut back door with Rondo, and he they had that great lineup of Rondo, uh, him, Bradley, and then Pierce, Brandon Bass, and Kevin Garnett. I think that was I want to say like the second or third best five man unit in the league right. in, in 2012. Of course, Ray got been, yeah. Ray got hurt yep. one year, and Avery moved into the starting lineup, and they they played amazingly. They yeah. did. Yeah, he played. He played very very well, and that was when he sort of became like he like you said. He just got a little bit little bit better by better every single year, and it's very rare you see players after like their fifth or sixth year in the league actually add things to their game. It's just something that just doesn't happen. Just in general, it is a very generalization on my end, but uh, Bradley has has proven that not to be the case. Last guy I think I want to jump at in terms of, once again, individual improvement, uh, you know, to stay once again on the sort of the fluffy side, is Isaiah. And I, I just had Bob Ryan uh, on the, the news feed back, I want to say, Thursday or no, Wednesday after the Memphis game when he had the 44 points. And, and I asked Bob, obviously, for some sort of historical perspective on, on Isaiah, if, if we're going to get there now with him in Celtics history. But I asked Bob this question, and I'm very curious, and I'll, I'll ask you, what was your thought on february i don't know what the day was 20th 2015 that whatever day that day was was made what what did you guys think that you were getting there because i can't imagine it could have been this no i mean look you're you're always hopeful um but uh no i'd be lying if if we expected everything to go as uh, as perfectly as it has um isaiah fitting into our team but uh you know we did the you know Isaiah the numbers he'd put up his first uh, what it would it have been by then three years four years in the in the league was Sacramento yeah was Sacramento and and half a season in Phoenix um, was that uh, he he scored amazingly efficiently you know with with high usage now usage percentage for you basketball fans out there is every possession that ends in a shot assist turnover. Or free throw, and uh, and so you know, high usage guys are in the high 30s. And if you can still be efficient scoring when you're doing 35 to 40 percent usage, that's that's amazing. And Isaiah was one of the few guys in the league that we could we could acquire that had that because you know, as as Celtics fans can remember, our offense was our you know creating offense Ugh, and was, our biggest issue, and it was and, brutal and, back then. Sorry, yeah. Austin. And, no, it was, and and so he was he was a guy that we targeted because he was on such a great contract, and we could get him without sacrificing tons of future assets. And he was one of the most efficient, high usage players in the in the league, um, which is, and he he's even gotten better, and and uh, 
even against you know good teams that are now keying on him even more, he's continuing to do it. It's it's an amazing feat. Bob Ryan said here on CLNS Radio four days ago, well, not on Celtics Beat, but on Celtics Newsfeed. If our listeners want to check it out, just on the CLNS Radio mobile app, just check out Celtics Newsfeed. He said you can't advance in the playoffs, not win a title, not win a title. He actually said you cannot advance in the playoffs with Isaiah Thomas as your number one offense, uh, number one option. I mean, I, call I him don't... out if you want. Yeah, call him out. Well, I like it. I mean, here, here's 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 what I here's what I don't like the the media uh, and fan uh, narrative of whose team is it, who's the number one guy. It's just a collection of your parts. I mean, it really is. It's a team game. So if Isaiah is our number one scorer, that then, you know, then just people say he's our number one guy. I mean, Avery and Jay and Al and Marcus Smart and Kelly Lynn. I mean, it's Who's like Al? we haven't mentioned him yet. <laughs> Al, we, we need all those guys to play well to advance. I mean, we are not um, we are not, you know, super duper star with with role players surrounding we are a balanced ball movement sharing team isaiah is our best scorer um but um but we are we got a lot of guys we need to play well to advance and and uh i i would i would disagree with that um wholeheartedly if but but i also disagree with the the form of the question all right, I'll take that one. I actually do have to take a brief, uh, brief break here, Austin. It is Christmas after all. Still time to buy. So a word from our sponsors. We'll be back right here with Austin Ainge on Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Today's episode is being powered by Blue Apron. Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron has become the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. With December upon us, it's now the holiday season and Blue Apron makes the perfect holiday gift. Research shows that Blue Apron families cook together three times more often. This creates strong family bonds and actually saves money. Those who spend a lot at restaurants know it's super expensive. High-end grocery chains, fast food restaurants, buying for the whole family can become absorbent. With Blue Apron, you can spend under $10 per meal. In December, my personal menu will include braised cabbage with barley and glazed apples, Thai green coconut curry with sweet potato and jasmine rice, brown butter and chestnut gnocchi with Brussels sprouts, and pea shoot salad. And all that for just $10 per meal. Sound amazing? Well, today we are offering CLNS Radio listeners three free meals and free shipping. There's no risk involved, and you will love how good it feels and tastes to create home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Treat yourself or a loved one this holiday season to Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat to redeem your three free meals and free shipping today. Okay, welcome back in here to Celtics Beat. This is LHR. Still got Austin Ainge with me right now. Austin, director of player personnel for the Celts. Uh, Austin, I, I do want us to look at the negative end of the spectrum. I hate to do it, but we will. But uh, it did sort of pop up in my mind over the commercial break, and, and that is getting just really a final confirmation in that am, am I missing any positive and productive de- development, or has it been just that, that the best part of this season has been the eternal individual strides by certain players? I mean, I think that, that I think yeah I think our players getting better but but within a team system right you you don't ever want 
individual development that takes away from other areas and our guys have gotten better but it's also helped our team be better but you know then besides that it's it's certainly the acquisition of Al Horford he all of our lineups are better when he's in and even you know with the other night I think he had like eight points and and his impact was just tremendous and and gigantic and his his thinking and ball movement and versatility on both ends of the court has been such a huge factor for us this year and I think all the fans that watch our games can can probably agree with me. I love living the little things too, like screen setting, how low he gets on all the screens that he does. There's, I've never seen a Celtic where I've really yet to complain about him. Like I even like you'd even have Kevin Garnett like sometimes bother me in some aspects. I have not had a complaint about Al Horford yet. There've been some lunatics that say, "By God, he's not taking enough shots in a game." I think there have been some reasons in that I've noticed against bigger teams, if they have a couple you know, very good players, he takes a lot less shots in and around the basket. But it isn't like he just disappears. He creates so much more. He creates that a low block. Love him to death. Love him to death. One of my favorite Celtics. All right. We talked about this a little earlier. And you were talking about the defense. You were talking about the depth. I actually think you know, the depth on the team – is I think it's more of a case right now that Brad is still tinkering with lineups, which I think in a way is a slight disappointment on my end. I thought that that was an issue at the beginning of last year, but you knew that would be an issue going into last year because there were so many new pieces. This year there are new pieces, Al Horford being the biggest one, but he fit in seamlessly right out of the gate in preseason, so that wasn't going to be an issue. What do you have any uh, you know th- things from this season where you're sort of like you know that you know say the defense not being in the top five or God for you know the the second unit really not finding its way yet is or of course the rebounding which I knew you guys knew was going to be an issue going into the year of course it has been it's, it's been a little better but it isn't you I, know. I mean you know to to be honest with you Larry where I think I mean when when our team is healthy um, I I like it quite a bit and I think we're as good as I thought we were going to be when when we've been healthy and uh, and really that's. That's the key. I mean, it, it, you know, our record, if we were healthy the whole season, our record would be better. But, uh, you know, the playoff seeding matters. But the most important thing is for us to be healthy and clicking and playing our best when we're entering in the playoffs, what, no matter what our final win total is. So I, I do feel like, um, you know, that there's, there's a couple guys that I think can take steps forward for us that can play a little bit better. But I think, like, it's hard to ask much more out of Avery and Isaiah and Jay and Al. Those guys have been great. Is there really any good. is there any way to sorry, Austin, but is there any way to concretely define what qualifies as a successful season? I mean, look, we, we, this is the Boston Celtics. We we define ourselves on on championships and playoff success, and uh, and so you know, in general, if we're moving toward a championship, that means if our players are getting better. And in the short term, if we're having success in the playoffs, I think those are, I think those are the main uh, goals of our franchise um, every day and every year. And I think for us this year, with our current roster, you know, we we can we can fight with teams in the playoffs, and we if we're healthy and playing well, we we can win. So I think that's what everyone's hoping for. 
and this is kind of I, I don't know how to how to phrase this one as well, but it's it really goes to the overall progression and growth of the franchise. Of course, it's going to make the 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 Boston Celtics that much more appealing this summer. What kind of urgency internally is there of making a playoff run for the immediate ramifications of the franchise? Players getting better. You talk about Avery Bradley, I thought, playing in those playoff games in 2012 before he got hurt. It did a lot to bring him a long way. But obviously player development and, of, and of course, outside perception is, once yeah, again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's really a hard thing to define what it would mean. Um, I think it's always positive when you're winning in the playoffs. Um, the question is simply, you know, what – what are we willing to do to achieve that? And that that's f- from a front office perspective is what we have to decide all the time. And if, you know, if certain, you know, it's not push all your chips uh, to the center of the table unless you have a winning hand. And, and for us, we have some assets going forward. We have, we have some draft pick assets and some salary cap room and, and if we're willing to use up some of those for for more immediate improvement, then it has to be improvement we feel is worth it. And and so that's that's the decision and the and the weighing and the arguments we have all the time. Um, and and uh, you know that's our fans would and we would all love to just win a championship, but uh, we we got to be smart. Last question before I get you out of here so you can finally enjoy your Christmas morning. <laughs> what did you think about the outside? Because you were talking about fan narratives earlier, but what, how about this? What did you think of the outside expectations? In general, you can uh, generalize if you wish. Just so you know, I actually predicted 60 wins in the number one defense. You remember I threw number one defense at you when I was talking to you uh, over the summer. I can't remember if it was here or at the golf course. Um, but mm-hmm. what did you think of the outside expectations? Wick at the uh, Shamrock Gala was like, listen, guys, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this year, but, you know, easy on some of these predictions. Here. I mean, 55, 60 wins. What did you think? Basically, yeah, well, sorry to be repetitive. What did you think of the outside expectations before the season? Um, I, I thought they were fine. I mean, look, I, I, I think it's good for our players to have to deal with expectations and be viewed as a good team and have to live up to those things. I mean, it, it it's good to see how guys react. Like we, you know, some of our, not only our team, but a lot of the individual players we talked about had high expectations. You know, how is Isaiah going to bounce back after his first all-star season? How's Avery going to be after being selected to first team all defense and showing big strides last year? How's Al Horford signing a big contract? And all those guys have, have answered the bell and, and some, and then some. And, and so I think, I think it's good. I mean, look, health determines the, the the final record what you know if we if we end up winning 45 or 55 or 60 like it, it 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 doesn't you know again it's the quality of play when we're all healthy to me that matters more than that final win total now if, if at the end of the year like right now i think our starting group or when, when or when everyone's been healthy i better said i think we've been playing like a lot of the expectations um, preseason expectations had us, so I, I think we're, we're we're doing fine. Well, then just tell them to stay healthy in April, please. Can you do that? Uh, it's, it's, we'll, we'll what a start, great, this is uh, a great idea. Put, putting the pressure on our doctors, right? It's the doctors and trainers. Then we got to get on, right? Yeah, tell uh, Doctor McKeon a little less golf. Although, actually, you know what? No, actually, uh, if, if I'm if I'm carrying the bags, he can play all he wants because I know he's a little generous. Uh, 
But Austin well, my, Age, go ahead. It, I was going to say, Larry, you'll appreciate this. My dad, who plays golf with Dr. McKeon all the oh, time, every time he every time he misses a putt, he he says, "I wouldn't let you clip my toenails, let alone do surgery on me." That that's their running gag. Yeah. So it's a it's a funny little thing Do- they have going. Doc can can have me on the bag anytime if he keeps blinging out those multiple blue hundies out. I'm gonna finish it off. <laughs> I've had, I'm a straight shooter. Money talks. Even on Christmas Sunday, the most anti-materialistic day uh, on the Julian calendar. But Austin Ainge, Boston Celtics director of player personnel. Merry Christmas and of course a happy New Year. Merry Christmas to you and uh, everyone out there listening. So interesting, I thought, on a many levels, his comments uh, on anyone. But I thought there was one underlying tie-in there is that this organization just believes in not just developing young players, duh, or what organization doesn't, but the mechanisms to do so in playing young players. Not all teams or coaches do that. Look at Jalen Brown, where in some instances, him being kind of force-fed minutes, particularly early in the season, I mean, not all the time, certainly recently, he's, I'd say, qualify as a lot more passable but there were times earlier in the year, remember doing a news feed pod with Real GM's Keith Smith on why he's playing because at times he was brutal, I thought, earlier at times in the year. But there seems to be a philosophy of just continuously giving opportunities, if earned, if earned. I, I do trust that must be so if he's getting run or when Marcus Smart got run in 2015 and say, you know, James Young uh, never getting run. So it, it also, too, it just shows how much. And how big of fans the organization is of Smart. I mean, if, if you really can't see that by now, I mean, holy goodness, what they genuinely think of what Marcus Smart brings to the table now and in the future. Uh, I do think, uh, my personal opinion, now this goes for every guard, but even more so for Marcus, I do believe it is essential for him to become a good outside shooter and a, a very good free throw shooter, which is, I think, an underlying issue in its own right. To compensate for his lack of explosiveness, which has showed itself a lot at times for him. I thought the Spurs really exposed that in a game a few weeks ago against Boston. It's it's just going to be, I think, pretty hard for him to really excel on the offensive end of the floor going forward if he can't get to the basket against everyone and can't shoot. I believe it would have to be one or the other eventually. Much this way it was uh, for Rondo. He couldn't shoot, but he could penetrate and break down any defense. There's no arguing that. So there was so much to take out of that, though. And I, I do have to kick myself, though, uh, for not for really having a complete brain cramp when it comes to can't, talking about the defense. Because, yes, it has been better. But, boy, does it still go back to those Jack Armstrong comments here a few weeks ago where he theorizes to why so many guards are having success, particularly in the second half of games against the Celts. I mean, yes, Russell Westbrook, he is phenomenal, and that was a show Friday night. And there is a little bit of a fallback in that Friday's game was the fourth game in five nights for Boston, which teams universally do not perform well in. But I don't know about you. I'm kind of tired of watching upper echelon guards and opposing teams put on shows against the Celtics. I mean, it, it's not just Westbrook, as he's done so twice. But Harden drops 37. Lowry, 34. Uh, Dwayne Wade, very beginning of the year. Emmanuel Mudia, he went off for 30-point games. Well, um, exceptional players, yes. But this and this is all above their averages. And it has been a trend for the Celts. So I definitely am slightly concerned and slightly bothered by, by some of these games. And, and really, the second halves... Uh, in with some of these guards that they have had against Boston uh, to go along with the rebounding and, and the up and down bench play, no question. But uh, once again, I really, really want to thank Austin for joining us there, giving us what Jesus forty minutes of his Christmas morning. That, that's something else. Uh, I could do an entire show just on reaction from his spot as we touched so many bases with Austin. But there is a game later today here, twelve p.m. Not, not far from now. Nice and early. Uh, so happy too for our international audience. Uh, they can get a good glimpse of the Celtics being able to watch them live, which they normally 
unfortunately don't get the opportunity to. Uh, so we got to get to the pregame show, and joining us for that, uh, said we would keep this ribbon uh, on the box until we got to it. Time to open open it up, and or at least take the man off mute. Joining me uh, for today's Celtics pregame show is the founder of CLNS Radio, Mr. Nick Gelso. Larry, what's going on, buddy? I'm making the rounds here on CLNS for this Christmas holiday. I just heard but you I'm... on the Bobcast, Bobby Manning show. Merry Christmas, by the way. I, yeah, I haven't, I've same to you. To do Does this qualify as a Christmas gift to you, the Celts on Christmas at high noon? Uh, yeah, I guess it does. I mean, I, I look at historically they stink on Christmas. Day. They stink. I mean, they're twelve and seventeen historically, and that, that a lot of that goes back to the sixties. I when I think of Celtics Knicks on Christmas Eve, what do I think of? Eighty five, nineteen eighty five. I was eight or nine years old, watching Christmas on my grandmother's uh, living room floor, watching the Christmas Day game, and the Celtics just got beaten down. In '85, I remember that. But yeah, they've not never you been. You didn't remember it too the well. Game. They were up by 25 in that game, and they blew it and lost in double OT. Ah, there were they some did. other games where they got beaten down. Uh, there was a game I remember junior year in high school. They played the Nets, uh, and they oh, got, got killed. What was that 2002? Two. Yeah, that was a game. Then a few years ago, they lost the next. I believe the last time they were on Christmas Day, uh, they did it win. And that was Nets. it. Was against the Nets, and they won. That was uh, a few years ago. But I should be very happy that this is the marquee day for NBA basketball. The Celtics are kicking it off. Oh, I did look at the slate of games. Cleveland and uh, Golden State, that's uh, that's the highlight of them all. Not not a good slate of games overall, but I think it's a, a victory in its own right for Celtics fans to be acknowledged and to have a game on Christmas Day. We're going to get to this game, Nick. I do want to just bang out some pregame notes here. The Knicks, coached by Jeff Hornacek, 14th-ranked offense based upon efficiency in the league's 25th-ranked defense, giving up 107.5 points per 100 possessions. So the Knicks, despite their record, and they are just a half a game behind the Celtics. This is kind of a big game in the standings here, but they have a negative net rating of minus 2.9. Whereas the Celts, they operate in the black, so it would be nice uh, if the Knicks today possibly begin a regression to the means and begin creeping back to a record more reflective of their differential, starting with a loss today. Also, one betting note, today's game is a pick so I think I can ask you for a prediction right now. Who's winning and why? Ooh. Uh, looks like Porzingis is going to play, so that's, that's going to hurt the Celtics. Uh, taking their Christmas Day record into account, and then, of course, Larry, their... I mean, going over, historically, they've always hated uh, early games. So, you know, having a flyout to New York, play at noon, uh, I'm giving it to the Knicks. And this is a big game. Like, usually Christmas Day kicks off, tips off the NBA season officially, and you watch the games with kind of not a lot of stress. This afternoon is a big game as the Celtics, Knicks, and Hornets are, what, tied for third in the Eastern Conference, They're really all within a half column. a game. Yep, tied in the yeah. loss column. Knicks, uh, yeah, one less win, I think. One less win. Uh, so, yeah, today is going to effectively decide who has the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Fortunately, the season doesn't end today, but uh, they've already played each other once, so it, it does uh, affect in tiebreakers. I don't think the Knicks are going to be anywhere close to the Celtics in the standings when it's all said and done. We just I, talk, I just talked about the, the net rating. That's a team, I think, that, that is due for a little bit of a dip there. Defensively, they are very poor. You brought up a good point, and that being the start time, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that you think that is going to be an issue. My correct uh, recollection is while I don't you know, know the Celts record off the top of my head in these 12 or 1 o'clock games under Brad Stevens, and my guess is it isn't that great because there was a lot of losing under Brad Stevens uh, his first year and a half here. Yeah, it's not a fair But, not a fair but I never recall the team coming out flat in, in, in an afternoon start the same way many teams do uh, at an early hour, the same way I could easily see the Knicks playing in New York. Carmelo Anthony, those guys, 
you know, 12 o'clock. That's very early and coming out flat. (laughs) The Celtics did have a 1 o'clock game earlier this year. That's the only evidence that we had. It was against the Spurs after Thanksgiving. They did lose that game, but they got off to a great start. They They didn't lose that game because they came out flat. The Celts actually this year have been getting off to great starts. They got off to a great start on Friday. Um, It's that dreaded second quarter. And here's also what's good matchup-wise. And it even actually started uh, before the second quarter in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City uh, made their run right at the end of the first uh, quarter as as soon as the bench started creeping in and the Celtics were never really able to cover. But good news is is these two teams played earlier in the year. It was the bench play uh, that really turned the game around for the Celtics. The Knicks bench is not very good, so they may not be able to exploit that against the Celtics. I actually believe Boston matches up very well against the Knicks, and I really think that this is a game, the key, obviously, key to the game, right? Score more points than them, but I think the real key to the game is the start and that turnover from the first to second quarter, because I think this is a game the Celtics can win in the first 15 minutes. They need to, I think. I, I, I think this close play, this close play in these games the Celtics not being able to put distance between their opponents and or even see, playing from behind constantly, it just isn't working. They've got to get out strong. They cannot, at Madison Square Garden on a holiday, uh, make this go down to the wire. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think it's a, a, gr- a big first quarter start and that turn into that dreaded second quarter for the Celtics. If that second unit comes out and beats up on the lowly, the Knicks' lowly second unit, it could be over quick. Yeah, I, I think it is crucial. I think the first 15 minutes of the game, first quarter and a half is crucial. Uh, tight games down the stretch tend to favor the home team in general. And while the Celts' fourth quarter offensive execution and Isaiah Thomas uh, really, uh, in those instances, uh, very good. Their situational defense at the end of games has actually been less than stellar. One would like to think it'd be the other way around. So I would get an early lead, demoralize the Knicks, and maybe take their crowd out of the game a bit. Take the early. crowd out of it. Especially early start for the players, early start for the crowd. On a holiday, I doubt you're going to have some raucous uh, MSG crowd unless you get them involved at the end of the game. But um, Well... Uh, you know, for, speaking of MSG and the crowd, I'm, I'm thrilled to to tell our listeners and and Celtics fans that our our uh, locker room crew is on the road. They're down in MSG, Ooh, so you can so uh, YouTube YouTube channel. They're going to have the garden report and everything up there. Player player videos. You got it. You got it, man. Uh, Jared's already in New York. Uh, took the train down. Actually covered. The last game the Knicks played, uh, where Carmelo, the news broke about George Carl, and Carmelo was was responding to that. You can find it on the YouTube channel. Oh, I think awesome. all the New York stations picked it up. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, that that is, uh, you know, that kind of one final thought on the game. Basically, I, you like the Knicks. I, I like the Celtics. I just think it's a good matchup for them. Uh, you know, offensive rebounding could be an issue. The Knicks are ranked fifth, but I just don't think the Knicks have the guard play. Which, as I said earlier, that's when what's killing the Celtics. Rose has been defense, but it's been the elite guys that have killed. Uh, the Celtics, and I think they're playing pretty well. Friday was tough to stomach, but it, that was the fourth game in five nights for them, and this Celtics team has been very good on the road. But So Jared is at the game. You just said that that's all going to be on the YouTube channel, and I, I tell you, this is the best way, I think, to wrap this up, really, is, of course, this is going to be our last show in 2016 here on Celtics Beat, and, and this sort of gives me a time, really, to reflect on not just the growth of the show, but the growth of CLNS uh, in 2016. I mean, all the guests we have here, yes, but the big for me, Coach Nick, his b-ball breakdown podcast, Danny LaRue, Real GM and co-host of Dunked On, his podcast along with numerous others uh, alongside this one on the network, all on the free CLNS radio mobile app. It's pretty unique and very gratifying too. 
in some small way be associated and work alongside those that are as respected as they are throughout the entire online basketball community. That's great. You summed it up perfectly. I, I, 2016, it dawned on me this morning, Larry, that this is our seventh Christmas of coverage. And really the last two, 16 months to two years, the enormous amount of growth has been tremendous. Guys like you, Danny, uh, you know, on the extended CLNS family, Coach Nick, uh, and then, of course, inside Jared, Justin, John, Patrick Gilroy, I could go on and on and on, it has been tremendous. And, and really, it's given us the opportunity to bring on more sponsors, which allows funding for more projects, right, Larry? We're launching a new website in 2017, which is so exciting. Uh, we, we're going to hit the road for the All-Star Weekend. I'm going to travel down there with Jared Weiss and our camera guys, cover All-Star Weekend. Then we're going to head out to California, cover the California road trip. So, you know, thanks to the listeners who have really tuned in and enabled the, the sponsors to get behind. And also thanks to the listeners who have purchased our partners' products because oh, that's what keeps us know, going. The audience, of course, I mean, it really does go without saying. I mean, I reiterate it week after week after week after week, but, but you know, thanks for listening. But we don't get a fraction of the Celtics coverage we have, and, and now it's going to be even more, being at the games with the audio, video coverage from the locker room and garden floor, pre- and post-game shows. We have the quality of shows we do on CLNS, like coaching uh, Coach Nick or, or Danny LaRue or Justin and John with CSL. Of course, the guests. People always ask me, like, how do you get Austin Ainge? How do you get Marcus Smart, Isaiah Thomas, Jared Dudley, Wick, Granny Gorman, Ian Eagle, Bob Ryan, Jackie Mack, Woj. Uh, this Tuesday on the Celtics pregame show before their game against Memphis, Chris Wallace, the Grizzlies yeah. general manager, he's going to be our guest on Celtics pregame, which is on the newsfeed channel. Again, shout out. All this is on the CLNS mobile app. Easiest way to shuffle through all this material and all the content. But but it is it is that audience that not only listens and watches uh, not just this show, but all of the broadcasts on the network and the YouTube channel. And like you said, participates, converses with, with the reporters and the personalities, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, telling friends, supporting the sponsors using our coupon codes. It, it, it really is that. It's all, that's what it's all about. I mean, really, it's all about the fans. It's all about the coverage. But the coverage would not be nearly as good if it wasn't for the the funding from the sponsors, which, of course, comes from the fans purchasing the product. So you say it perfectly. You know, also ESPN New Hampshire, huge this year in uh, uh, simulcasting our postgame shows, which are still going strong. And, Larry, let's not forget. Uh, the main red claws. That partnership has been yes, ninety six point three FM up in Maine. Celtics news feed is on the main red claws channel for the, all of our listeners up in Maine. I, I really want to talk for one second about the Celtics news feed because I think every year I look back at what's our our prized release. We try to release something new and big every year, and to me that the collaboration with you on that has been the most gratifying. It is. Blown up audience-wise. I mean, I cannot believe how many people are listening to three, two to three-minute snippets in real time of of Celtics news, and we're talking thousands of people several times a day who are tuning in for this this news feed, and and to have it work and fans be receptive to it is just so gratifying to me. And and you've been a huge part of that, obviously. And uh, thanks to you. So big thanks to you, Larry. H. And I, I have to thank you, of course, and. And not just you, uh, the Celtics organization, who we've really yet to shout out. Uh, they are so yep. progressive in putting their faith in us. I, I actually even forgot to shout someone like Rich Gotham, the team president. Once again, not just a guest here, but a great friend and a great supporter and enabler for CLNS Radio. Um, for me personally, Brent Barry, 
played a long time in the NBA. Many remember he's he's on NBA TV now as pretty much their uh, top analyst. He's been on this show many times. He's actually going to be on Coach Nick's B-Ball Breakdown podcast soon. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, he was really the guy that got me going. I remember him telling me, hey, whenever you need a favor, you know I'm here. And a favor very quickly translated into favors, like plural. Mm-hmm. It, it translated into a lot more than just coming on this podcast, believe me. He, he really pushed me along, got me set up with the right people. So, Bones, I know you're listening. Uh, if you aren't, I'm just going to timestamp this and, and text the show to you. But thank you. Merry Christmas to you and your family. And, of course, I uh, would certainly be remiss not to mention the guests, the lost all there time but people like chris forsberg uh uh kristen bob ryan kristen ledlow that say hey text me anytime and it's really anytime 3 30 in the morning those folks have gotten texts or calls from me and, and doing this on the dime so happy holidays to them happy new year to everyone who listens to this show every week and their continued patronage of clns radio merry christmas to you nick uh mm-hmm. folks That'll do. Oh, you wanted to wish me a Merry Christmas there before I, I, I you. was going to. I didn't think you. I didn't think you were going to let me, Larry. I never want to cut you off. So, well, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, Larry H. Russell, man. It is a pleasure working with you. And 2017 is going to be a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, that's just that's going to do it for not just 189, but 2016 here on Celtics Beat. There's a lot more 2016 on CLNS, as said Chris Wallace on Celtics pregame on Tuesday. But next time we will be back here will be episode 190 on New Year's Day. I hope my voice comes out okay if you're sporting a hangover, but that will be end. This is now. Music for this show is provided by Will Rocky, JDS, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. My Twitter is at CLNS underscore LHR. Facebook, facebook.com slash Celticsbeat. Once again, thanks to Celtics Director of Player Personnel, Austin Age, and thank you, Mr. Gelso. Today's sponsors were Audible, audible.com slash try now for free audiobook along with a 30-day trial period. Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat for free females and free shipping. For staff writer Eddie Santiago, Program Director Justin Poole, and founder of the network Nick Gelso and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you on New Year's Day for another edition of Celtics Beat, powered by CLNS Radio. Hey!